rise and shine. Rise and shine, chop chop. Rise and shine. Rise and shine, it's a beautiful day. Rise and shine, rise and shine. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. You guys are nerds. This is exactly what the nerds want. Our name shall become legend. Spoken in hushed tones by nerds across the galaxy. If you build it, nerds will come. Nerds must love this place. They think we're a bunch of nerds, and I'll tell you something. I think they're right. Let, let the nerds take over. Let the nerds take over! Rise and shine, nerds. Grab your coffee, wipe the sleep from your eyes, and turn up the volume as we help you kick off your day with Love Thy Nerds official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the director of content and resources for Love Thy Nerd. And I'm Deidre from the planet Vulcan. Welcome to Rise and Shine Nerds. This week we're talking about Star Trek. Uh, today we are mm-hmm. taking a trip back to the 60s for the original series TV shows. Um, but first, we've got a lot to catch up on today in Rise and Shine Nerds News. This is RSNN. <laughs> Let's talk about quantum computing. That sounds... That sounds Star trek That sounds easy to do <laughs> this early in the morning. <clears throat> uh, so let's see here. Will quantum computing supercharge AI and then transform our understanding of reality? Mm. This is from scmp.com. Uh, quantum computing could turbocharge AI into something massively universally trans. Uh, transmorphative is the word they used here. I use the South China Morning Post. That's what SCMP uh, stands for, I'm assuming. Citing a quote uh, from the- theoretical physicist uh, Michiao Kaku, AI has the ability to learn new complex tasks and quantum computers can provide the computational muscle it needs. AI will give us the ability to create learning machines that can begin to mimic human abilities, while quantum computers may provide the calculational power to finally create an intelligent machine. Uh, the article goes on to say where where AI brings an ability to self-improve and learn from its mistakes, quantum computers add speed and power. So Google CEO Sundar Pichai has said AI can accelerate quantum computing and quantum computing can accelerate AI. So complex calculations that would take classical uh, supercomputers thousands of years to crunch could in theory be completed by quantum computers in minutes. In uh, expectation of its advantages, the automotive industry is already collaborating with pioneers in the quantum computing arena. Dahmer uh, has partnered with, uh, I'm sorry, Dame, Daimler has partnered with IBM, Volkswagen, uh, with D-Wave uh, Systems, and Hyundai with IonQ. If you can increase the energy density of your battery by another factor of two, three, or four, then instead of in, in electric cars, instead of 300 miles, you can go 600 miles or 1,200 miles on one charge. That actually starts to cross the threshold where they become much more attractive than fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And then we can really make an impact on global warming and all the other problems that uh, electric cars have been created to help. Uh, similarly, the mysteries of carbon uh, sequestr- sequestration. 
It's early, y'all. I'm sorry. It's hard to say these words. <laughs> can be unraveled by quantum computing with clear benefits and efforts uh, to reverse global warming or issues with that. Drug design uh, at the molecular level could be revolutionized, opening up new avenues for vaccines and, for example, personalized cancer treatments. There's no doubt about it. With effective quantum computing, our understanding of chemical processes could become godlike. Finance and investment, too, could be revolutionized. Um, the huge range of factors that produce market fluctuations allow for an almost infinite range of possible outcomes, and modeling these possibilities would be relatively simple for quantum computers. Forecasts of market movement would become far more accurate. It goes on, but you see the point. AI plus quantum computing could send Solve us all the world's problems. Yeah, send us forward <laughs> in advancement in a matter of years instead of decades. Mm. So, I'm just weary of making something smarter than ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, but, we, we can expect that not on, only will massive problems be solved, but they'll be solved quickly. And in the background, these quantum computer AI models can begin building a plan to hijack private 3D printers and build a sentient AI robot army. <laughs> and 2025 becomes the end of humanity. <laughs> and so in that vein, let's talk about spider robots. Okay. <laughs> Spiders, I hate. You're going to love, love this title. <laughs> How to turn an asteroid into a space habitat using self-replicating spider robots. Oh. <laughs> Why do they keep taking the villains from TV shows and making them, oh, that's a good idea. You know, we could, we could use replicators for this. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. This is from ScienceAlert.com. A retired technical fellow from Rockwell Collins released a 65-page paper that details an easy-to-understand, relatively inexpensive, and feasible plan to turn an asteroid into a space habitat. Dr. David Jensen uh, breaks the discussion into three main categories, asteroid selection, habitat-style selection, and mission strategy to get there, uh, i.e. what robots to use. He eventually settled on a Taurus as the uh, ideal habitat type and then dives into calculations about the overall uh, station mass, how to support the inner wall, massive columns, all that, how to build. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> how exactly would we build such a massive behemoth on an asteroid? Self-replicating robots are Dr. Jensen's answers. The report's, uh, the report's third section details a plan to utilize spider robots and a base station that can replicate themselves. He stresses the importance of only sending the most advanced technical components from Earth and using materials on the asteroid itself to build everything else, from rock grinders to solar panels. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Spiders are our friends. You're right. Normal spiders, yes. <laughs> Robot spiders, however. Uh, if anyone's seen Star Trek's Star Gates version of replicators, uh, mm -hmm. they're terrifying. Mm -hmm. They're terrifying. Uh, replicators from Stargate. Uh, this is how it starts. Combine that with the quantum computing AI, and we're doomed. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Don't think it's possible? Well, let's talk about 3D printers. <laughs> Guys, this today is just the roadmap to our destruction. Bamboo's 3D printers started printing while owners were asleep. 
Oh, dear. Bamboo's X1C and P1P3D printers started printing unattended overnight without any additional user input, according to user reports uh, from all over. (laughs) Some woke up to failed prints, some found a second copy of a previous print, and at least a few found their Bamboo X1C or P1P had started smacking itself apart damaging components while trying to print a second copy atop the object they'd already asked for. So what happened? In an official blog post, Bamboo says it's still investigating, but suspects uh, suspects that the, the cloud outage is to blame, and the company says its servers had two brief outages on Tuesday morning where the servers couldn't confirm that the printers had actually printed, but instead of failing gracefully, they wound up sending the same print job again and again until it went through. Bamboo staff believes simply explained the print job sent to the printer before uh, before was trapped on the cloud and then had a delayed start. When contacting uh, contacted by The Verge, Bamboo would not go quite so far as to promise free repairs or replacements for all affected customers, but says anyone who suffered any damage should reach out. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, to me, this sounds like it could be the real explanation, you know, cloud misfunction. Or right. it could be that AI is already attempting to make a connection to the 3D printing network and create an evil vision body <laughs> to go into. So, you know. Just, just, just be aware. Whichever. One of those is happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know which, but one of those is definitely happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to stop it right there and take our first break. But when we come back, our Discord shinies chime in on our main topic for the week. Welcome to the lightning round brought to you by Moviga. I am Austin with your weekly source for all things movies, video games, and more. Now grab your ponchos and let's catch up on this week's news. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 arrives November 10th and will come with some exciting features including the ability to keep and use all of your Modern Warfare 2 camos, weapons, blueprints, and more, new open combat missions in the campaign, an evolution of multiplayer, and for the first time ever, zombies in a modern warfare game. Despite some initial skepticism from fans, the promises from Activision seem to have changed the minds of hardcore and casual fans, and it looks like Call of Duty will deliver something special this time around. Hopefully. Alan Wake 2 has been delayed by just 10 days. Now releasing on October 27th instead, a tweet from the Alan Wake team said, quote, October is an amazing month for game launches, and we hope this date shift gives more space for everyone to enjoy their favorite games." End quote. To me, this sounds very similar to what happened in 2020 with the releases of Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two. both developers seemingly holding a lot of respect for their competition. Glad to hear it doesn't sound like development troubles. Some recent leaks seem to confirm that the end of the current season of Fortnite will host a large update to introduce the new Fortnite X Lego crossover and then run until the end of December, which then I am guessing we will see 
a true next Fortnite season. Fortnite and Lego look like they will go together like two bricks, and I would really enjoy seeing some very Lego-like animations for building, eliminations, traversal, and more. So I personally am very much looking forward to this update if the leaks are indeed true. Baldur's Gate 3 is officially the highest rated PC game from PCGamer.com in over 16 years and also I believe at the time of this recording the highest rated PC game or maybe even game period on Metacritic as of right now. And with the highest of praise from all over the web, it really looks to be a safe bet for a game of the year contender. With all of the stellar releases and more to come in 2023, picking one single game of the year is going to be a tall task and will surely mean some snubs are in order. Well, it looks like the storm has passed. Be sure to check out the Moviga podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, or anywhere you listen to that sort of thing where we are talking all things movies, video games, and more. I am Austin, and thank you for joining me this week for the lightning round. and shine nerds ltn's official morning show here on youtube and ltn radio on youtube we premiere our episodes every monday through thursday in the morning at 10 a.m eastern and uh, i'll be live to chat along with you during the show and if you can't catch it when it premieres you can watch it anytime afterwards on the youtube channel this week is all about star trek uh, but before we jump into the main topic later in the show we asked our discord shinies to chime in on trek you can make your voice heard as well by joining our Discord community at lovethynerd.com slash discord. Once you join and agree to the rules, simply, list, uh, simply visit channels and roles and click on Rise and Shine Nerds to find our special category. So we asked, what is your favorite and least favorite Star Trek show or movie and why? As well as any other thoughts you had on the world of Star Trek. And here is what you told us in Discord. Uh, first off, that question just took Lark aback. She said, now that's a hard question to answer. Um, <laughs> she said her least favorite is Star Trek V, because that movie was just bonkers. <laughs> <clears throat> I believe that was the one where uh, they went to find God in space, isn't it? Okay. The Final Frontier. Maybe. Yeah, that was that weird one. Uh, <laughs> with uh, Spock's brother, is that who it was? I don't remember that Cy one, honestly. Cybonk Cy or something. I think. Must not have been my favorite. Hey, oh, I think we watched it <laughs> one time together. Uh, <laughs> Rain plus cat here in the chat says, Star Trek 1 is great if you have insomnia. Yeah, that movie was slow. Uh, <laughs> Lark says her favorite is probably Generations. Uh, I like that a lot. <clears throat> KY says... Oh, KY, I forgot. KY has a uh, brother who was on uh, Enterprise, on okay. Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Ensign Walsh, 22nd uh, century Earth Starfleet engineer who served aboard the NX-class starship Enterprise NX-01 uh, under Archer. <clears throat> cool. I don't know who his name. She didn't put his actual name. Let me see if we got a. Where's the actor's name here? <laughs> oh, there we go. Duncan Fraser. Fraser. Duncan K. Fraser. 
That's pretty cool. That is cool. <clears throat> did he die? I don't know. Like, did he die in the show? <laughs> Not in real life. In the show. Yeah, red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the red bars. You know, the, the red bars are the old ones. <laughs> it looks like he just had a meal in, in, in the mess hall. That's what he had. Uh, he was taken hostage. Okay. He was taken hostage. His whole, he has a whole thing. That's That'd cool. Be really cool. <clears throat> uh, Cynical says, uh, I really enjoy Star Trek, but I'm rusty. It's hard to enjoy actually watching the old, uh, the original series, the old series. Uh, even though it's classic uh, characters, favorite is definitely Next Generation. The Voyager is a close second. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, Tristan says, honestly, Voyager is my favorite. Least favorite may be the early seasons of The Next Generation, but they got better. Yeah, let's, the 80s seasons were a little rough. Yeah. But that show did get pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, KY posted a, a picture, uh, a 40th birthday um, meet and greet with some of his husband's favorite stars. So he's got a picture with uh, Jordi LaForge. Mm-hmm. What's his name? LeVar Burton. Goodness <laughs> gracious. It's early. <laughs> Can I get my brain to start working? The reading uh, rainbow guy. <laughs> 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 uh, Jonathan Frakes and what's the guy's name that played Q? I don't know. Why? Yeah, I, I thought you might remember. Do you think that I, I know names of actors? I, 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 I know that sometimes. But anyway, the guy who played Q. <laughs> guy who played Q, guy who played John oh, DeLance. There we, there we go. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Rain. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jonathan Frakes, John DeLance, and uh, LeVar Burton. In a picture with Grafe in there, so that's awesome. pretty cool. We should have brought our. We picture got a picture. We got a picture with uh, with uh, with Jordy too. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, also with Adam Baldwin from Chuck. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> Voltron he made Matthew look small. <laughs> he did. The dude is gigantic. Uh, Voltron uh, says he's one of the few fans of Enterprise, <laughs> followed by Voyager. <laughs> I I love Quantum Leap. And so I was a fan of Enterprise. Just Enterprise is pretty good, but just, just because, because it was Bacula, yeah. mm-hmm. the Bacula. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Graven says I like Deep Space Nine because it's just different enough from the standard Trek formula. It also gave us a deeper insight into how Starfleet operated and had a show with more intrigue. This was punctuated when Q tried to get under Cisco's skin, and Cisco punched him. <laughs> Q said, "You hit me." Picard never hit me. <laughs> Cisco said, I'm not I'm Picard. Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan said, I love Enterprise as well. Yeah. Uh, Rain says, DS9 is your personal favorite. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll share our thoughts. We'll share our thoughts later. But yeah, I, just, I could not get into DS9. I don't know why. <clears throat> um, Baxter Dude says my favorite was Voyager uh, I had never really watched Star Trek before and one day started watching Voyager and got hooked I tried to watch Lower Decks not a fan uh, also f- uh, fun fact Uhura was the first African American woman to play a leading role in the show on television which makes her love Star Trek even more yep that's one of the fun facts we'll talk about later too uh, and then I forgot that when you are streaming, Discord sometimes takes away the names. So T, whoever this is, said uh, first generation and DS9. uh, First generation? First generation. First, comma. Generation? I don't know if they're saying it's the original generation, the the original series, or first, 
like Next Generation's my favorite, and then DS9. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those. Oh, that's Tad. You're right. Tad Hall. Thank you. <clears throat> I grew up with those shows, and I admire... Pa- okay, it's got to be Generation, then. I admire Patrick Stewart and Avery Brooks' performance. Uh, least favorite is Undiscovered Country, because it was slow, and the parables didn't translate well. Uh, that was number six in the movies, I believe. Yeah, five and six. Five and six were not super successful. Mm. But anyway, that's a lot. Star Trek mm-hmm. covers so many eras now mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and has had so many different <sighs> startups lately. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's gone in many different directions. And you've seen, especially with the, the shows that are on like now or here in the last few years, is that they're not sure how how much further to go, especially if you're starting in a show that's in the original series era. Right. Like you have to. You don't want to make it look like the the 60s because you know we are in the 2020s now we want it to look good mm-hmm. but at the same time you can't make it look too good mm-hmm. because then it's not believable that kirk comes after this mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about with star trek and uh our our main topic segments for this week are going to be long we're going to try really hard <laughs> to cram a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff into the 25 minutes that we talk have fast. allotted. Talk fast. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, we are going to take our next break. When we get back, we're going to dive into our main topic, the original series. We here at Love Thy Nerd emphasize thoughtful content. Visit lovethynerd.com for a host of amazing articles and a whole network of nerdy podcasts. And follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lovethynerd, where you'll find game streams, live podcast recordings, and more amazing interactive content. Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's brand new morning show. Podcasts have become increasingly popular in recent years, offering a unique and accessible platform for individuals to share their thoughts, ideas, stories, and fandoms with a global audience. If you've been contemplating starting your own podcast but are unsure where to begin, Love Thy Nerd has you covered with our new article, 15 Steps to Creating Your Own Podcast. You can find it on our homepage at lovethynerd.com. This week, we are Star Trekking Across the Universe. And uh, today, we're starting where it all began with Star Trek, the original series. Yes. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan Mm-hmm. On the show, it just mm-hmm. not necessarily because it was bad, mm-hmm. just because it was old. <laughs> you know, it was it was Nick at Night. You know, it was it was just very right outdated. Right, even when I was a kid, very outdated mm-hmm. show, and so it didn't appeal to me. It looked it looked like exactly what it was. <laughs> The beginnings of what we thought science fiction TV was supposed to look like. Right. But right. just, you mm-hmm. know, so, so early on that it was just hard for me to get into. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, I mean, look what they had to work with back then. They mm-hmm. didn't have all the technologies that we do to make it look. Oh, yeah. What What is amazing is how 
like it it pulled off all that stuff that inspired so much stuff in mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. to where now we can look at things like strange new worlds and they're using things that look like stuff that we used mm-hmm. uh, as you know people now and even their stuff it does look outdated they have the flip right. communicators right. or whatever yeah this is set in the same era mm-hmm. as us and now that stuff does look old and classic right mm-hmm. and so but back then it looked super futuristic mm-hmm. and i can see how when it was first airing people that were getting into it which wasn't a lot at the beginning but mm-hmm. people were getting into it like hey this is pretty cool futuristic stuff right <clears throat> um the problem was we were born as the next generation was starting mm-hmm. and so we got to see the massive upgrade Mm-hmm. And what Next Generation had, and then when we finally got around to watching original Star Trek, it's like, it's a bare, this is bare bones, <laughs> bare bones space up here. Um, but it was, it is a fun show, uh-huh. um, and it has a lot of episodes that are certified classics to mm-hmm. this day. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the City on the Edge of Forever ones. We got the original Mirror Universe ones. Mm-hmm. Mirror Universe is always a fun thing, fun gimmick. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's appropriate that it laid the groundwork for Star Trek. Um, but of course, when it was airing, not super popular. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get people on board, which I I get because it's a new kind of thing. Right. New yeah. Kind of thing was it canceled? It was canceled. Uh, after the third season, it was canceled. That's why there wasn't like a actual story right. storyline finale. Right. Um, it was almost canceled after season two, hmm. but there was a fan campaign to keep it going and it worked for one more season. Um, let's take a look at some nerdy facts about the original series, uh, facts that I love here. Okay. The show was created, of course, by Gene Roddenberry, uh, who was, uh, a former pilot and police officer. He wanted to make a show that was optimistic about the future and dealt with social issues and moral dilemmas. He pitched the show as the wagon train to the stars. The iconic opening narration, Space, the Final Frontier, was written by Roddenberry and recorded by William Shatner, who plays James C. Kirk. But the original version had uh, different wording. It originally went like this. This is the adventure of the United Spaceship Enterprise, assigned a five-year galaxy patrol. The bold crew of the giant starship explores the excitement of strange new worlds, uncharted civilizations, and exotic people. These are its voyages and its adventures. (laughs) That sounds dumb, <laughs> doesn't it? Compared to the one that they went with, it sounds awful. But it could just be because that other one has been so iconic. Right, right. What if this was the one they used? Would we think this sounds great? Right. And the other this one sounds is awful. the adventure. But now this sounds so stupid to United me. Spaceship. United Spaceship Enterprise sounds yeah. so bad. <laughs> Five-year galaxy patrol yeah. sounds like they're trying oh, too hard. <laughs> Sounds like they're trying too hard to be spacey. Galaxy Patrol. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Exotic people just sounds offensive. (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. The show had a diverse and multicultural cast, which is rare 
for the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, featured Nichelle Nichols, uh, Nichelle Nichols as uh, Lieutenant Uhura, the first African-American woman to have a major role in TV show, like Baxter Tooth said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... <sighs> Lost my place, sorry. George Takai and Lieutenant Sulu, as Lieutenant Sulu, one of the first Asian-American actors to have a prominent role on TV. Mm-hmm. And Walter Koenig, Koenig? I remember how to pronounce it. Ensign Chekhov, a uh, Russian character who was added to the second season to appeal to the Soviet audience. The show had a groundbreaking moment when it featured the first interracial kiss on American TV Ooh. by Kirk and Uhura in the episode oh. Plato's Stepchildren. <laughs> Network was nervous about the reaction from viewers, especially um, in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast insisted on doing it, but the network insisted they record different takes, including ones without the kiss. And uh, they, Shatner and Nichols deliberately messed up all the takes without the kiss. So they would have to use the one with it, which I think is wow bold. And, right, and cool. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the show introduced many iconic elements of Star Trek lore. Uh, the Vulcan salute, mm-hmm. the Vulcan nerve pinch, mm-hmm. the Klingons, the Romulans, the Prime Directive. It also popularized many catchphrases, phrases, <laughs> such as uh, live long and prosper. Beam Me Up, Scotty was popularized, but it wasn't actually a line that, that came from the pop culture aspect of it. Right. But he never actually says, Beam Me Up, Scotty. Right. Uh, I'm a doctor, not a blank. And <laughs> he's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, he never says, Beam Me Up, Scotty. He says, Beam Me Up, Mr. Scott. He says, Scotty, Beam Me Up. But he never says, Beam Me Up, Scotty, in the entire run of the series. I want to know how many people... Watched every episode waiting for that line. <laughs> I thought this was something they said every every episode. <laughs> <clears throat> He's dead, Jim. Uh, the show was not very successful when it first aired. It had low mm-hmm. ratings and faced cancellations several times. Mm-hmm. It regained a loyal fan base who wrote letters and organized campaigns to save the show. It also became more popular in syndication. Uh, and that's when it spawned the huge franchise of spinoffs, movies, books, comics, games, and merch. Uh, the show had a lasting impact uh, impact on science and technology. Many inventions and innovations were inspired or uh, influenced by Star Trek devices, such as cell phones, tablets, GPS, mm-hmm. MRI scanners, lasers, oh. holograms, 3D printers, artificial intelligence. Many scientists and engineers cited Star Trek as their inspiration or motivation for their careers. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, it's had a massive impact despite its kind of low popularity when it aired, Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after it had its three-year run and was canceled, Mm -hmm. uh, it took us to the world of animation. And they gave us a single season of Star Trek, the animated series. And I'm going to confess, I don't know that I've ever seen it. Your parents owned it. You never watched any of it? I don't recall watching it. (laughs) I have seen a couple episodes on YouTube. That's about it. Um, So it featured all the main cast back to voice their characters, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It only lasted one season. I think there was one cast member that didn't come back. I don't remember which one. Uh, But it only lasted one season. It was considered for a long time to not be canon to the story. Uh, The recent uh, recent shows, the newer Paramount shows, have made references to stories contained within the series, Hmm. bringing that non-canon status into question. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think it's neat that they tried to continue it, and it was supposed to originally be like a continuation, you know, year four or whatever you want to call it, of um, Kirk's Enterprise, and that most of the cast came back. And I think yeah. all the cast was going to come back. I mean, I'm going to... You say He's what you were going to say while He's I look, look at who it was. Oh, I have to think of something to say. Well, you were yeah. about to say something. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Uh, I don't know that cartoons would be... Would would it have been as popular? Yeah, you know, and it wasn't. <laughs> cartoon, right. Do, okay, so it was due to budget restraints for the show that they decided not to bring Pavel Chekhov back. Uh, Walter K- Koenig. Um, and instead he was replaced by an Indosian alien Lieutenant Eriks, who was also voiced by Duhan. So they didn't have to pay him a separate salary. <laughs> so yeah, that's what, uh, that's what happened there. Wow. Just didn't have enough money, but I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think it was, it was supposed to be aimed more towards children. Uh, that was the feel for it anyway, but yeah. but but be adult friendly enough to mm-hmm. be family viewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, here's some interesting notes about the animated series. It was the first Star Trek series to win an Emmy Award for Outstanding Entertainment Children's Series in 1975. The episode that won was How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, which featured a powerful alien being who claimed to be the Aztec god. Quetzalcoatl, or no, Quetzalcoatl, I don't know. It was originally conceived as a series about adolescent Starfleet cadets who would be mentioned by the, uh, mentored rather, by the Enterprise crew. However, Gene Roddenberry rejected this idea and insisted that the show would be a faithful continuation of the original series, and he also refused to give up creative control over the show. Uh, it had to cut, okay, yeah, it was on here already. It was on here already. Oh, okay. had to cut check off from the series due to budget restrictions. The uh, animation studio Filmation uh, could not afford to pay all the original cast members, so they decided to drop check off and replace him with two new characters, Eric's a three-armed alien navigator, and Imres, okay, with a uh, feline-like alien communications officer. It had Leonard Nimoy's support and intervention. Nimoy was very protective of his character, Spock, and his fellow cast members. So he determined that Nichelle Nichols and George Takei were hired. Um, I'm sorry. He demanded. I need to read better. <laughs> he demanded that Nichelle Nichols and George Takei were hired to voice Uhura and Sulu, respectively. He also helped write and direct some of the episodes, such as Yesteryear, which explored Spock's childhood on Vulcan. It had four episodes that were sequels to the original series episodes. Of course, Yesteryear was one of them, which followed up on The City on the Edge of Forever and Journey to Babel. Mud's Passion, which brought back Harry Mud from Mud's Women and I Mud. More Tribbles, More Troubles, which continued <laughs> the saga of the Tribbles from the Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, and the Slaver Weapon, which referenced the Kniti K-Z-I-N-T-I. How would you pronounce that? Kzinti? Kzinti? Kzinti. From the Man Trap. I don't know. Now, Gene Roddenberry began work on uh, a return of the original cast in live action, a show called Phase Two. Now, the plans for the series were first developed after several failed attempts to create a feature film based on the property, coupled with plans for for a Paramount television service. 
It was going to be the fourth broadcast television network in the United States after NBC, ABC, CBS. It was going to be PTS, the Paramount Television Service. Both PTS and the Star Trek revival, Phase 2, were announced in early June of 1977, with PTS to debut as one evening of programming each Saturday night and to gradually expand to other nights, a strategy successful and successfully employed by the Fox Broadcasting Company a decade later. Star Trek Phase 2 was to be the flagship show, be broadcast at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by a movie of the week at 9 p.m. The initial order was for a two-hour pilot, followed by 13-hour-long episodes. With the exception of Leonard Nimoy's Mr. Spock, who had ongoing disputes with Roddenberry and Paramount at the time, the entire regular and recurring cast from the original series were contracted to return, notably William Shatner as Captain Kirk. Three new and younger regular characters were created, Science Officer Lieutenant Zahn, uh, Navigator Lieutenant Elia, Elia, I bet, Elia, and... (laughs) Uh, ship's executive officer, William Deckard, Willard Decker. I'm mixing up the <laughs> consonants. Star Trek stuff's hard to read, guys. Zahn, Decker, and Ilya were later influential in the development of characters of the next generation. Uh, the two of the, with two of the scripts written for phase two being redeveloped to be used for the next generation series. Oh, that's cool. Ultimately, Paramount's plans for its network and the Star Trek TV return faltered as the low-anticipated advertising revenues for the Paramount television service indicated that it was not viable. And the Paramount Pictures parent company, uh, Gulf and Western's chairman, Charles Bloodorn, refused to back the plan, resulting in the eventual exit of Paramount Chief Executive Officer Barry Diller. Bless you. In August of 1977, (laughs) Paramount President Michael Eisner announced internally that the two-hour pilot script was to be the long-sought-after feature film story instead. Mm. So, however, in order to prevent negative publicity, the cancellation of the series and the network was not immediately disclosed, and development of the series and its scripts continued for a further five months, during which time tests were filmed on an incomplete Enterprise set in widescreen format, a clear indication that whatever Star Trek was going to be was not a TV movie. On March 28, 1978, any illusions that Star Trek would be returning to television were ended when Paramount announced that instead of a series, it would be producing what became the big-budget film titled Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was itself a massive reworking of the In Thy Image two-hour movie script. Um, We'll talk all about the movies on Wednesday's show. Mm-hmm. But before we close out the original series, we have to talk about the two fan-made series that work to finish the five-year mission mm. of Kirk and his crew. The mm-hmm. first is Star Trek New Voyages, which went by the name Star Trek Phase Two for a little while. Uh, the first episode was released in January of 2004, with the new episodes released at a rate of about one per year, with 11 episodes released total. Two of the episodes were nominated finalists for several awards at the Independent Star Trek Fan Film Awards, winning Best Supporting Actor in 2015. Wow. The other series was Star Trek Continues. Now, this series also consists of 11 episodes, uh, so it's released between 2013 and 2017. This series won 49 awards over its run, including Best Fan Feature Film, Best Fan Series, Best Costume Design, Best Director, many, many more, several more than once. So Deidre and I have seen some of these episodes. 
Uh, in fact, we downloaded them all and put them on DVDs for Daedra's parents as they were collecting all the DVDs of every Star Trek for a mm -hmm. while. Uh, and this, they had started actually collecting DVDs before releasing DVDs in season format was a thing. Right. So all of their original series DVDs were like one or two on a disc in an individual DVD case. Mm -hmm. So it was like a massive thing for their three right. seasons. Mm -hmm. And I'm positive each of those DVDs cost 20 bucks a piece at least. <laughs> so they paid hundreds of dollars to get three seasons. To get three seasons, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. There's There's been a fairly large community of fan-made Trek Mm -hmm. uh, that for a long time was allowed by Paramount under the condition that no profits were made by the projects. So that's why we were able, they were giving away the files, the video files for Star Trek continues that we were able they to download. They weren't allowed to charge you. Cause they okay. couldn't charge you for it. Yeah. And is this the one that didn't, it's been a long time since we talked about this, but didn't they like have props and stuff from the yes. show? Yeah, that they, they got some of the original props. Yeah, they were they were given yeah. some of the original That's props. Pretty cool. That's um, pretty cool. And they did it fairly. I remember them being fairly true to the original series. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like the real Trek. It was obvious these weren't the same actors, right? Which right. how are you going to get around that? Right. But they did fairly accurate um, representations of them. In, the, mm -hmm. in their acting, whatever. I think mean, mm -hmm. it was pretty darn good. Yeah. And uh, I was I was very impressed by it. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Gene Roddenberry's son told them that if, if my father was alive today, he'd say these were canon to the story. Mm. Like, And that's pretty cool accolade yeah. for them to tout. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say go check that out if you haven't yet. Star Trek continues. If you like mm -hmm. the original series, I bet you like these. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Paramount would allow these, which was cool. That's cool of them. Uh-huh. Give them the opportunity, uh, as long as there weren't many problems. Now, I think this has changed in recent years. Probably. Um, but this people. did mean that, one, only people who really cared about the project would likely produce anything, because they knew they weren't going to make any money. That's true. And two, it would be free for all Trek fans to enjoy. So, that was cool. Mm -hmm. Now, these are the two most well-known, but there were others, too. There are a lot, actually. Uh, let me go through a list here. Star Trek... Uh, Axanar, Star Trek Exeter, Star Trek Secret Voyage, Starship Valiant, Star Trek Eye of the Tempest, Star Trek Intrepid, Star Trek Renegade, Star Trek Patinkman, Battle Cruiser Kupak, Red Shirt, Star Trek Dark Armada, Star Trek Horizon, Needs of the Many, Starship Farragut, Star Trek Tristan, The Federation Files, The Adventures of the USS Parkview, Avalon Universe, Temporal Anomaly, Tales from the Neutral Zone, <laughs> to have boldly gone. And that's not even all. That's just most of the ones that were made between 2015 and 2020 that were nominated for an independent Star Trek fan film award. Wow. Which is shows you just how big of a community that is that they even have right. independent Star Trek fan film awards. Right. <laughs> Star Trek has been a fan-forward franchise since the beginning. Fans saved it from its first cancellations. Fans brought it back to an animated series. Fans inspired Phase 2 to begin production as a flagship show. Fans, even decades later, took up the mantle to finish the stories themselves. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. would fans accept a new generation? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, we're going to take the leap 
to the next generation and all the shows from the late 80s to the early 2000s. But as for today, we are out of coffee, so it is time to wrap things up. But before we go, let's get out our verse of the day. Uh, today's verse is Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you for joining us for Rise and Shine Nerds. We want to invite you to get behind the scenes by joining our LTN Discord community. Once you've joined at lovethynerd.com slash Discord, simply go to the Channels and Roles section and click on Rise and Shine Nerds to gain access to our channel. You can help us plan shows and segments and even be on the show yourself on occasion. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or through the Love Thy Nerd YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. And tell us what you think via our socials at rise and shine ltn on facebook and twitter once again i'm radio matt i'm daedra and as always a reminder jesus loves you nerds